This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Welcome to the show, another episode of Because I Said So, with your host, John Roseman. And if you want to find out more about uh, me, my speaking schedule, etc., etc., including my upcoming Sunday afternoon seminar at Temple Baptist Church in my hometown of New Bern, North Carolina, you can go to my website at John Rosemond, and if you want to pronounce that phonetically, it's Rosemond, R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D dot com, and find my speaking schedule, my bookstore, uh, my last five syndicated newspaper columns, and also podcasts of back editions of this radio program. So I've got a growing number of people out there in American Family Radio Land who feed me new material on a somewhat regular basis. They've come to know what I like to talk about, and they obviously like the stuff that I like to talk about, and they obviously want me to talk more about it. So let me take this opportunity to explain myself, to put this radio ministry into a proper context. Uh, the program started, this is history, two and a half years ago or thereabouts, as a program on raising children, parenting, as we call it in America. That's how I originally pitched the program to Tim Wildman at American Family Association and a couple of other folks there, and that pitch made sense to them, and in other words, it made sense that the show would be about raising children because you know what I have acquired is a reputation of, for being a parenting expert. But here's what I've learned over the years. I've been doing this parenting expert thing since eh, 1976 when I began writing a weekly column on raising children for my then local newspaper. We were then living in Gastonia, North Carolina, and it was the Gastonia Gazette. That's going on 42 years now that I've been writing a nationally syndicated newspaper column. It went into syndication actually in 1978, so it's been 40 years that it's been syndicated. It's now, by the way, the longest-running syndicated column written continuously by one person in America. And it's the longest-running ever written continuously by one person. Someone said, well, what about Billy Graham? And I said, well, he, he's not writing his own column and hasn't been for many, many years. Ann Landers, uh, Abigail Van Buren, Dear Abby, same thing. Anyway, uh, the, the whole thing about me writing this syndicated column, it simply means I've been around for a long time and that even a uh, significant share of the largely liberal media thinks I make uh, reasonably good sense. So when I started doing this parenting expert thing, I dealt primarily with what should I do questions from parents 
uh, what should I do when my child throws a tantrum in a public place? What should I do uh, when my child disobeys and so on? What should I do when my child does this? What should I do when my child does that and so on? I made my mark initially answering these sorts of questions. It seemed I had a knack for coming up with creative ways of dealing with behavior problems, discipline issues that proved effective, and I'm a good writer, a good communicator, if I do say so myself, and people enjoyed reading my stuff. And then when I began speaking out in public, they uh, enjoyed listening to my stuff. So then I began to realize as I got deeper and deeper into my chosen subject matter that the mental health community of which I am a member, I'm a psychologist licensed as such by the North Carolina Psychology Board, albeit I'm a heretic, an outlier, and they regret the day they ever gave me a license, truly, for good reason from their point of view. I'm very threatening to the psychological, psychiatric, mental health community in America. Anyway, I realized that the mental health community in America was misinforming people concerning children. They were going out on an ideological tangent that did not represent any reality concerning kids. Rather, it represented a philosophical bias that was not supported by good research. The first thing of the sort I uncovered concerned spanking. The research, and, and this happened in the late 1970s, when done by people who were unbiased, was saying that spanking in moderation not only did not do psychological harm to children, but that children who were occasionally spanked by loving parents, an operative qualifier, actually scored higher on scales of adjustment and well-being than children who were never spanked. So, having uncovered that tidbit, I wrote about it in my now syndicated column, and the mental health community went nuts. I mean nuts. Absolutely insane. They began accusing me of, and this is a quote, by the way, of endorsing child abuse and, quote, giving permission to parents to abuse their children. I mean, that crazy stuff like that coming out of the mouths of Ph.D. psychologists, crazy stuff. Now, mental health professionals, I've learned this over the years, they're not necessarily geniuses, but they are supposedly well-educated. They, you know, they've gone to college, they've gone to graduate school, like I did. But what I said about spanking, which was supported, mind you, by good, solid research done by unbiased people, caused them to lose their minds. So the next thing I said was that high self-esteem was a bad thing. That respect for others was a good thing, not esteem for one's own person. The Bible clearly affirms that, right? It says those who esteem themselves, and I know it says exalt, but theologians have told me that that substitution of the word esteem for exalt is theologically permissible. It uh, does not represent scripture twisting that those who esteem themselves will be humbled, and the humble will be esteemed, right? That's what it says, right? Jesus did not say that those who esteem themselves will gain the kingdom. So I began pointing out that research was not supporting what psychologists and other, other people in the mental health professions were saying about high self-esteem, and, well, they went nuts again. 
I mean, like, how dare I upset their apple cart? How, how dare I attack one of their golden idols, their golden calves? Uh, well, the, the problem, as I began to realize, was I was getting right to the heart of their individualistic, humanistic philosophy. And by the way, I wasn't even a follower of Christ Jesus at that point, but God had plans for me, for sure, anyway. Now, once again, the mental health community, as I said, went nuts. Then they went nuts because I said that permanent memory didn't form until around the third birthday, and whether the, whether the incident in question was traumatic from anyone's point of view or not didn't matter. Permanent memory didn't form until around the third birthday. And so these new therapies that purported to help people remember traumas that had happened before their third birthdays were not based on science. They were bogus. That the therapists in question weren't uncovering memories. They were installing false memories in vulnerable people. And once again, the mental health community in America rose up, went nuts, and it was like some scene from Frankenstein with the ag angry mob descends on Frankenstein's castle with torches and pitchforks. And that, right then, was when it became crystal clear to me that psychology and psychiatry, the mental health professions, clinical social work, etc., etc., were not sciences. They were ideologies or ideologies, depending on what part of the country you're from, right? Ideologies, ideologies based on a secular humanist worldview. So my licensing board to date has tried to take my license away three times, not because I'm wrong. They've never been able to prove that I've been wrong about something. They have never been able to prove that I've caused any harm. They try to take my license away because I upset their apple cart. I attack their idols. My goal is to significantly reduce the clientele that pays for the lifestyles of people in the mental health industry in America. The research fails to support the notion that they're doing any good, all things considered. Now, they may do good, you know, with a person here and there, but uh, all things considered, uh, I happen to be convinced that they, psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, clinical social workers, etc., etc., I'm convinced that these people have caused much, much more harm than good. Remember, I'm a psychologist. I'm licensed by the North Carolina Psychology Board. I contend that for every person these people help, they do harm to at least three. And by the way, the research supports that contention. You cannot believe the number of parents, for example, who have told me that when they sought help from a psychologist concerning a child who uh, was, uh, you know, giving them disciplinary fits, the problem got worse, not just a little worse, much worse. And when confronted, these psychologists would say things like, well, your child is uh, now being given, feels that he has permission to uh, express uh, repressed feelings, feelings that have been bottled up inside of him for years. And that's why it appears that the problem is getting worse when it's really getting better. Yeah, no, the problem was getting worse and it wasn't getting better and it wasn't going to get better. It was going to con uh, continue to get worse. I don't think 99% of psychologists know what they're doing. 
I don't think they have a clue because context is everything and they have no appreciation of the cultural socio-dynamics of what they are doing. They have no appreciation for it whatsoever. Their worldview, which is secular humanist, doesn't permit that sense of perspective on the cultural socio-dynamics of their practices. So anyway, we're up on a hard break, and I know this is fascinating, but i got to take a break. So stay with me. Be right back. Welcome back. I'm talking about my favorite subject, which is, you know, psychology, psychiatry, the mental health professions. And uh, if you just joined the show, uh, you know, once again, I'm eminently qualified to talk about this stuff because I am a psychologist. I'm licensed by the North Carolina Psychology Board, which as a body regrets the day they ever gave me a license and for good reason. I upset their apple carts, I attack their idols, I uh, take sledgehammers to their sacred cows. Anyway, so I began to realize that the parenting problem in America, the reason that that today's parents were and are having so many more problems than did parents in the 1950s and before, when People had more kids than they do today on average, more kids and a lot less problems, was not going to be solved by clever disciplinary strategies. It was not going to be solved by methods. The problem at its heart had nothing to do with strategies and methods. It was a point of view problem. Psychologists had sold America on a wrong point of view concerning children and parental responsibilities, and a wrong point of view was not going to be corrected by methods and strategies. It was going to be corrected by a right point of view. So that's when I made two big changes in my life. Now, this was about, you know, around 20 years ago. First, I began explaining to people, parents that is, a right point of view. And second, I embraced Jesus as my Lord and Savior. By the way, I didn't have some instantaneous epiphany, some lightning bolt road to Damascus experience. I had a slow dawning of awareness. I'm still having it, in fact. I read the Bible every day, and I learn more every day. I learned that you can only lead a right life if you lead your life according to truth, and truth with a capital T is the Bible, every word of it, every statement, every account, truth. And if you're not living your life according to that one reliable, sufficient truth, you will have problems. And that explains why today's parents are having so many more problems than did parents in the 1950s and before. Parents, even the majority of parents who self-identify as evangelical fundamentalists like me are raising their kids not according to biblical truth, 
They are what James in his epistle identifies as hearers of the word only. They hear, but they don't do. They may talk a good game, but they don't walk it. I may be talking about you. If I am, you're probably squirming in your car seat or wherever you are. They are, when it comes to their kids, captured by a deceptive philosophy. Where's that from? It's from Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. They are raising their kids according to the precepts of a deceptive philosophy. Psychology is what I'm talking about that depends not on Christ, but on man's own thinking, the ways of the world, Satan's domain. Satan attacks very strategically, you know. First, he knows that the most effective way to accomplish his goals is to begin early in the life of a person. So, one of his strategies is to attack parents and parenting through parents, to attack very subtly, very cleverly, the way children are raised, in other words, by weakening the way that children are raised, he is able to create an audience, a future generation that is receptive unwittingly in most instances to his deceits, a future generation that mistake his lies for truth. And that's what we're seeing being played out on college campuses these days. It's why the child and teen suicide rate has been climbing steadily since the 1960s, as has, has, as has, the per capita incidence in the population, number in the population of mental health professionals. I get that. As numbers of mental health professionals per capita have increased exponentially, so has the child and teen depression and suicide rate. What does that tell you? Tells you what I told you earlier. These people aren't doing any good. There's no evidence whatsoever that they're doing any good. You know, they maintain they're doing any good. When you ask them to prove it, they can't. So anyway, that's why it's why the child and teen suicide rate has been climbing steadily since the 1960s when America abandoned biblical principle when it came to child rearing. Well, we abandoned biblical principle in a lot of ways didn't we, in the 1960s, and embraced the lies, absolute, unmitigated lies of psychological parenting theory instead. High self-esteem is a good thing. No, it's not. Behavior modification works on human beings. No, it doesn't. Parenting produces the child. That's Freud's basic primary tenet. No, it doesn't. Parenting does not produce the person. Free will produces the person, not parenting, not how you are parented. You all know people who, you know, this is a primary psychological idea. Parenting produces the person. Where do they come up with this? We all know people who were parented badly who've turned out well and people who were parented well who turned out badly. Where, where do they come up with this stuff? They pull it out of their hats. 
The second aspect of Satan's strategy is to attack the church, to infiltrate it with people who will infect the church with his lies, and that's what's happening as well. I've been talking a lot about this over the past several months. The fact that a number of influential churches have embraced a program developed by the American Psychiatric Association called Mental Health, a guide for faith leaders, should concern every evangelical Christian. This program, these materials help faith leaders, or supposedly help faith leaders, identify people in their congregations who are in need of psychiatric and psychological treatment and helps those faith leaders refer those people to the right professionals. The program was released in June of 2015. Here's what the news release said. Quote, the American Psychiatric Association Foundation has produced two new resources to help faith leaders better understand mental illness and treatment. Goes on to say that mental health issues are caused by biological factors such as genes and faulty brain chemistry. Lies. Nothing but lies. Here's the truth. Are you ready? Because this may startle you. No researcher has ever identified any gene that corresponds to a disturbance of thought or emotion a so-called mental illness, and no researcher has ever measured, quantified a so-called biochemical imbalance. One researcher, a practitioner, in fact, leading psychiatrist, every psychiatrist in America knows his name, has said that the term biochemical imbalance is, quote, nothing but a useful metaphor. In other words, it's fiction. It doesn't exist. I'll say that again. No researcher has ever identified any gene that corresponds to a disturbance of thought, emotion, or behavior, a so-called mental illness, and no researcher has ever measured, quantified, a so-called biochemical imbalance. These are fictions, folks. They are put out there by mental health professionals for the purpose of persuading people that, A, they can't help the way they think and feel sometimes. Their genes have just programmed them that, that way. And B, that because they have fictional biochemical imbalances, which no one has ever proven exist, they need drugs that will correct the imbalance. Drugs that have, fact, never outperform placebos in double-blind clinical trials. This program, which I understand has been embraced by no less, and I'm talking about the, the APA program, this, this Mental Health for Faith Leaders program, has been embraced by no le none other than Rick Warren's Saddleback Church. You can't get more influential than that. It's nothing more than a means of destroying trust in God and destroying faith in the sufficiency of Scripture Shame on churches that have allowed this secular humanist set of lies through their front doors. Shame on them. So to come full circle, this program has evolved over the past two and a half years. It's been on the air exclusively on American Family Radio. Thank you, Tim Waldman and uh, everyone there at AFR. Six o'clock Eastern Time every Saturday. But then it's available three days later as a podcast through my website at johnroseman.com. 
This program has evolved into a program that's about not only children, families, parents, parenting, and education, but also about psychology, the profession I represent, but by license only, and the danger psychology and psychiatry and the mental health professions in general present to the body of Christ. I hope and pray that this program blesses you and strengthens your membership in that body and strengthens that body. Lord knows the body needs a whole lot of strengthening these days. These are dangerous times in which we live, ladies and gentlemen. God bless you all. God bless your families. Brings us up to the end of another program. Once again, if you want to look at my speaking schedule upcoming, including Temple Baptist Church in Newburn, North Carolina, I think it's February the 11th, um, you can go to johnrosemond.com. I'll be back next week, same time, same station. Bye-bye.